0: Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. Man, it's good to be with you guys. Um, This morning, um, you know... how many of you remember last time I was here? Can you just raise your hand if you remember last time that I was here? Some of you are like, yeah, he looks a little different. You'll notice my head looks a little different last time I had hair. And people have been asking me the strangest questions. They've been asking me, you know, why, why did you shave your head? And I, it was puzzling to me because I, I told them, I, was, I, I didn't shave my head. I just The cool thing is I got a growth spurt and I straight up just outgrew my hair. No, that's not true. That's not true. I I started shaving my head, but the weirdest thing happens when you start shaving your head. You know, it's, it's kind of just like giving up. You know what I mean? It's like you keep just trying and trying and trying to, and, and finally you're just like, this is pointless, and you give up. You know? And that's what happened to me is I just gave up, it's like Pastor did. Gave up, right? But I don't know if you have the same problem, Pastor. But the problem I have is I just can't throw away my comb. It's just. I, you have—I mean, you have it your whole life. You know, you have a comb to comb your hair with, and 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 then you start shaving your head, and you know, because you give up, and you're like, I just can't get rid of this comb. You know, I mean, no matter what I do, I just, I just, I keep the comb. I just can't part with it. So, some of you got that right. How many of you got that? <laughs> hey, listen. Um, before I get started this morning, I'm going to tell you, please come by the table and visit Uh, us. We would love to meet you. I know that some of you in this church do support us on a monthly basis and we're very thankful for that. As a matter of fact, this summer we'll be leaving at the end of May and we'll be spending an extended amount of time in Rwanda from the end of May through the middle of August just being there with our team on the ground and we have four different teams coming to help us do ministry and Uh, You guys are a part of that, so I want to say thank you. But also, we have to increase our monthly support in order to be able to handle that because that's three and a half months worth of preaching engagements that I won't have in order to raise money for a budget. So uh, we have a thing going on right now. If you'll come by the table, we have cards back there like this. And if you decide at some point during the service, God speaks to you about partnering with us on a monthly basis, Uh, just fill this card out at the table my wife and son will be there they can help you with that and if you do if you decide to partner with us today you can choose something off the table just as our gift we have books back there like this that I wrote a couple of years ago called big and it's simply just a book that will remind you how big God is in your life because if you're like me sometimes I need to be reminded that what I'm going through that God's bigger than that thing right so hopefully this book will will encourage you for that and um, and then also there's T-shirts back there. And, and, and it, like I said, just, just feel free to choose one of those things as our gift to you. And then also, lastly, if you would please keep us in your prayers. A week from tomorrow, Bryce and I get on a plane. We'll be traveling to Rwanda to conduct three pastors' conferences just back to back. We're taking three other pastors with us from across the United States to help us train these pastors each time we go, we train anywhere from four to 400 to 1,000 pastors each trip. This time we'll be close to about 600. This is why this is important. We, this trip, we are getting as close as we, we can. It's, it's within a mile or two of the Congo border. We'll be inside Rwanda, but we'll be close to the Congo border. And we've invited these Congolese pastors that are living up in the jungles right now to come to this training because someone from the Western world, we don't know who it is yet, but it may be Europe, but somewhere a Western person has come into these villages and began to give these pastors money to help them build their churches and help their families and things like that, but also in the same tune teaching them a doctrine that is a false doctrine. And so we're going to go in and try to, to correct that. So this is a very vital trip that we're going to be on. So please keep us in your prayers. Anytime, if you know what's going on in the world, you'll know. Anytime you get close to the Congo border, you're, it's, it can be dangerous. And so please keep us in your prayers. Um, ironically, Bryce and I, when he was a little boy, we, we were there before in the same town that we're going to. And, and you could hear gunfire at night. You know, and I can remember laying in that bed, and my son, I think he was about 8 or 9 years old, and he was like, none of those bullets could make it all the way over here, could they? And I said, no, because it, it really couldn't. It was a mile or so away. But we're going to be in that same area, so how many of you would pray for us? Right? We leave a week from tomorrow. We'll be gone about eight days, so please pray for us. So, many of you know, um, your pastor and I, we climbed Kilimanjaro. Right, which is the tallest freestanding mountain in the world, but also the tallest point in Africa, and it's really it was a bucket list for me. And your pastor is the one that pushed me to do it. I—it's the truth because I call. We were talking on the phone one day. Your pastor and I go way back. I mean, he—he's obviously much older than me, but we—I consider him like a grandfather. So, <laughs> I love him dearly. <laughs> And it's been fun preaching today. (laughs) I'll never be back probably. (laughs) Anyway, it was his fault because I remember we were talking on the phone one day and he said, man, listen, I think I'd like to do something crazy. And I said, well, listen, I've always wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And, you know, his response was like, well, I was talking about like maybe going to the Wichita Mountains, but hey, Kilimanjaro might be good too. So we, we started planning and it was actually his idea. He said, you know, I think you could make this a fundraiser for the school. And I, and so I said, give me a couple days to think about it. And so I got my office, started praying, and God started giving us ideas about raising money with this. And, you know, we said to you last night, those of you that were here, we raised $78,000 toward the school. Yeah, man, praise God. By just a, a, a couple of guys deciding to climb this big, tall mountain, you know. But I remember um, I, I enjoyed... The time I had with your pastor up the side of that mountain, eight days. It took us eight days to climb Kilimanjaro. And I remember the first day, we we were so excited. We had no idea what was in store for us. (laughs) You know, you ever been excited for something and you get like three days into it and you're like, this was a bad idea. I'm giving Pastor Billy like dirty looks, you know. I remember it was the first day, we, we, they transported us to the start, the trailhead it's called. We had our packs, and we, we started to, to get ready, and they pulled us over, gave us our last briefing, and there's a little arch that you walk through that says, you know, good luck. And so hopefully you don't die, or something like that in, in, in Swahili, and I'm pretty sure. So we started going, and I remember it just from the first step was like this. And so after about 45 minutes, you know, I kept thinking that we're going to go up a little ways and then it's going to plateau out and then up a little. It just was like whoop from day one. And I I remember thinking how naive I was. I was like, I mean, we're climbing a mountain. I did know it was going to go up. I just didn't expect like the first step to be. And for about four and a half hours the first day, it was like going to the gym and getting on the stair climber and getting off. Five hours later, right? I mean, we were so tired. So the next day we, we got up and the, and the scenery changed a little bit. Every, every day the scenery would change because you go through about four different, um, I don't know what the correct term, ecological, I guess, is that right? Uh, different from low-lying desert to jungle to mountainous and things. So in order to make a, a long story short, one of the, one of the things uh, or one of the days we were stopping for a break and you know, it, it took fifty porters to get fifteen of us to the top of that mountain, right? Which is what you can imagine. Like, but they had they carried everything that you can imagine. We had our personal gear, but they they had all the stuff to cook with, all the food, everything for eight days. And then we had guides that had been to the mountain several times. And so our lead guide, his name was August. He, cool guy. He was from Tanzania. Spoke really good English and. He and I hit it off. You know, he was a believer. and So I'm sitting next to August, and we're sitting on this rock, and we're just resting. And um, I turned to August, and I said, August, how many times have you been to the top of this mountain? And he says, oh, me, I've been 200 times. Just like that, I said, 200? Two, yeah, 200. He'd been to the top of Kilimanjaro 200 times. And so I thought, man, if there's anybody that I want to, patterned my trek by it's this guy because I mean how many of you know if you want to get to the top of a mountain you want to follow the guy's been there 200 times right and so I asked him I said I said August all right you're the expert what what does it take to get to the top of Kilimanjaro and he said something that you know some people would just hear and think yeah that's good advice but me I'm a preacher so everything's an illustration remember that when you talk to your pastor I promise you, everything becomes an illustration. And so he turns to me and he says, You know, here's what it takes. You you must not always think of the mountain as you climb because the mountain's not thinking about you. And I thought... Man, and in the, in the physical, I thought, that's great advice. I don't want to just be const- constantly looking and saying, oh, we, you know, we've got seven and a half more days. Oh, we've got seven more days. We've got six and a half more days. That would have made it miserable. And then, so his advice was, was good. But then I started thinking about the implications of that as a spiritual application. To not constantly be thinking about the mountain because the mountain's not thinking about you. You see, here's the, the point. Everyone in, in this room, or listening online, will have problems hit your life. We're not immune to it. Somehow in the church we have falsely taught people that when you give your life to Jesus, everything can so perfect and rosy that you'll never have another problem the rest of your life. And, and young believers, the first time something happens, I'm telling you, in the back of their minds, they're thinking, but I got Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something just because you have given your life to Jesus doesn't mean you will not ever face problems ever again. How many of you have realized that? Right? But but here's what I do know though even though we have we face these problems, the difference between the unbeliever and the believer is the believer has someone standing beside him holding his hand, helping him get to the next place or through that hardship. Thank God that we have Jesus who died for us. But mountains, I man, I had a lot of time to think about mountains on that mountain. Billy and I, we had a lot of conversations about mountains on the side of that mountain. A couple of them were were one or one of us, I'm not sure which one, looking at the other one and saying, Why did we do this? Inside that mountain. You know, some mountains they can be spoken to. And we know that from the Bible because Jesus tells us in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. And I've done that before, haven't you? Man, I've spoken, I've shouted, I've cried, I've pleaded. I've spoken to a mountain until I was hoarse in the throat about some mountains in my life. You ever have done that? And I'm not discarding the word. We know the word of God is true in every capacity but have you ever screamed and pleaded and spoke and had all the faith in you to a mountain and that mountain is just still looking at you what do you do then see some mountains can even be avoided by going around them sometimes we find ourselves on a mountain or in the middle of a problem that we put ourselves there how many of you know some of you look like not me i ain't never done that no, I've, I've been in problems before sometimes that, that I, I look around and I'm like, I, I put myself here. I could have I went around this mountain and here I'm on the side of this, got this problem, face of my life. And my God, I'm trying to blame it on anybody, but when I look in the mirror, I realize it's me. I did it. My stupidity put that. Myself on the side of this mountain. What do you do? When, you, when you've spoken to the mountain and nothing happens. What do you do when you can't go around? You ever been driving to maybe the west coast? There are certain mountain ranges you can't go around. You have to go over the top of the mountain. What do you do? Here's my, here's my question for you this morning. What do you do when mountains don't move? What do you do? When you've spoken to them and you've tried to go around them and you can't go around them and there's no choice but to go over the top of this mountain, what do you do when mountains don't move? I think you should remember what August said don't think about the mountain, it's not thinking about you. You see, some people only think of their problems. But what I want you to know is that whatever you focus on, it's going to get bigger. You know, I wish I started to ask Pastor Billy about those magnifying glasses I saw last night on all the tables. I wish I would have brought one up here, but you have seen them before. You know, you take a magnifying glass out, you just look at something real close, man. It looks huge, right? I mean, do you know when you were a kid, you ever take one of those and look at like a caterpillar? Caterpillar, you know, they're a little cute and fuzzy. Put it under a, you know, under a magnifying glass, that thing starts looking scary. Uh, How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's the truth. That's the truth. You see, what you focus on only becomes bigger. Focusing on problems makes you notice more problems. Right. Let me give you an idea. How, ladies, how many of you at home right now, you've got that makeup mirror that should not even be sold, that you, you flip it around from the regular view to, the, to that curved view, and now you start seeing stuff that you're like, when did that happen? How many of come on raise your hands? You got that one at home, okay? Now, because we're in church, we're going to get real honest, men. How many times have you accidentally sat down in front of that mirror? Yeah, I I will stay away from that mirror. I sit down and just will flip that thing around because I just have something, you know, just a little, just a like, man, what is that? I feel something on my side of my face, and I'll go in there and sit down and flip that thing around. And 20 minutes later, I come looking out like I've been in a fist fight. (laughs) My wife's like, what in the world? What happened? It It just was a little thing. And what did I do? I focused on that tiny little thing that nobody else even noticed. And I picked it and festered it and and talked about it and called my aunt Susie. And you do not believe what they're doing down there. And you just kept talking and talking and picking and picking and making it worse and worse and worse. Until finally something that was tiny has become big. You see, you can't always think about the mountain because that mountain is not thinking about you. You know what you need to think about? You need to think about your next step. When you're in the middle of a problem, you're in the middle, you're on the side of your mountain, and you're not to the top yet, what do you do? You, you think about your next step. I remember thinking, Pastor Billy, I remember thinking every step we took, we were one step closer. There was a moment that that, that I mean, I, you know that, but when you're on the side of the mountain, I remember it dawned on me, I was like, well, every single step I take, I'm one step closer. And every step up the side of a mountain that mountain becomes smaller. Think about that for a second. You start out down at the bottom, and you're looking at at the mountain. You're like, "That, that is a long ways up there. Well, after you've been walking up the side of that mountain for two or three days, now suddenly it's like, well, now it looks like half the size. Why? Because you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Mountains are not conquered by just helicoptering to the top. They are conquered one step at a time that's why we read in Philippians 4.8 Philippians 4.8 tells us finally brothers and sisters whatever's true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about those things what I'm trying to tell you is like if you want to conquer the mountain that you're walking through today you're, you're going to have to take it one step at a time. You're going to have to realize that bad things happen to good people sometimes. You're not particularly special. God hasn't forgotten you or any of that stuff. He just obviously thinks you can make it through that thing. Don't constantly be thinking about the mountain. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You've got to get your mind right. When you're in the middle of a problem, you've got to get your mind right. You've got to get your faith up. You've got to stop telling everybody you're not going to make it. Stop telling everybody what the doctor said stop telling everybody what's going on necessarily and and start speaking faith over your situation when mountains don't move get your mind right just get your mind right I began to watch August every day and we we would come up to some places parts of the mountain and the guides would go over and they'd be sitting down and eating the little snacks and we're eating our snacks and all of that, and and I'd notice they they dig out of their packs. Suddenly, they'd be putting on rain gear. And I'm I'm watching. I'm elbowing Billy, dude. They're putting on rain gear. Like they're in a cloud in the sky. Why are they why are them guys putting on rain gear? I, I'm gonna put on some rain gear. Pastor Billy, me too let's just do what they do and so we put on rain gear and our, uh, people were we were with you know we didn't know them previously and we're walking with them they're like why did you guys put on your rain gear and we're like, well, i don't know because august put on his rain gear so we're walking sure enough within an hour or two boys we'd start misting or something and billy and I, but we look so smart right we just were smart listen when, you, when you're on the side of the mountain what you got to do is you got to follow the guides you got to follow the people that you know can get you there. When you see them putting on warm clothes, put on warm clothes. When you see them taking off that, then take it off. When you see them drinking water, drink water. When you see them resting, you rest. You know, I've had some pretty good mentors in my life. And one of the things that I've noticed about those good mentors is that in their lives, in their families, they've made things like church attendance a priority. There have been times, my family's no different. Think about it, we're in a different church every week. Excuse me. I mean, there's been times that waking up, none of us wanted to go to church. (laughs) You know, I mean, I remember times not wanting to go to church. My wife would be like, You're preaching? You got to. (laughs) Man. You know, I tried to talk her in and do one of them human videos, and she won't do it. Just do that. got to follow the guides you know there's there are people in your life right now that if you'll emulate the good things that they're doing you'll get good results i mean it's just that simple it's getting to the place in your life where you you can you can follow good guides you see we have a guide we have a guide don't we we have a we have a guide in our life that can show us the way he, he tells us what to do. He gives us the confidence of knowing the path. He tells us, put your foot here and you can put your foot there and you know it's solid. We watched those guides skip up and down the side of that mountain like, like they were billy goats. It was crazy. I mean, billy, Pastor Billy and I are just, <laughs> you know, and August would, would like jog past us. Or he would be sitting still. This is the thing that really bothered me. He would be sitting still. He'd just be eating some crackers and we'd be walking by, you know. And I would think, well, I guess he's going to hang out with the guys in the back, you know. And, and then we'd go around a corner and he'd be in front of us again. I'm like, how did you get up there? He did he know some other route. If you follow the right guide, you'll get to where you're going much quicker than you will on your own. Yeah. How many of you, you with me? You're with me. Follow the guides. You see, we have a guide. We have a guide and that guide sent his son Jesus to die for us that if we would put our faith in him that we could have eternal life. Talk about needing a way. There is a way that seems right unto a man but, seem, but leads to death is what the Bible tells us. But there is only one way. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life and nobody gets to the Father except going through Jesus. I'm thankful for God, aren't you? I'm thankful He sent the guide to lead me to heaven. That if I just do what He says and I follow in His steps and I believe in Him, I have a good guide. Psalms thirty-seven twenty-three says, "The Lord makes firm." Say, "Make firm." Make firm. Think about: if you're climbing them out, you want to step on firm ground, right? The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And I love Isaiah 58, 11. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. when you will, Then you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And how about Psalms 31, 3? Since you are my rock. And my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead me and guide me. That's what Jesus wants to do for us this morning. But you, you need to understand something. You see, we were up the side of that mountain. And I'll be honest with you, for the first couple of days, there was really nothing dangerous about it. I think your pastor would agree with that. First couple of days, I mean, it was hard, you know, it was it was hard climbing but there was nothing super like we're going to lose our life dangerous about it until we got to, I think it was day three, the Barranco Wall, day three or four. And they camp you down at the bottom of it. You see, the first day they give us trekking poles. You know, that you've seen them, the hiking. you got sticks on both sides. They, I took them because everybody else took them. But honestly, I, you know, I'm from Oklahoma and from the country and, I just looked at those and I thought, you know, I've walked through the woods before. I don't need these sticks to help me carry, you know, keep my balance. And so I just, I stuck them in my my pack naively and thought, I don't need this. Is this is for the people that don't know what they're doing, you know? Well, about day four, we meet the Barranco Wall, and all of a sudden the the the, the climb starts getting dangerous. There were loose rocks and things, and and how many of you? No, I, I pulled out those. Those hiking sticks, <laughs> you know, I, I needed those hiking sticks. And what I learned is what I'm going to tell you today is that the higher you go, the more support you're going to need. You see, when, I, when I can, if I was just going to fall off this stage, I don't worry about it. I'm, I'm, I'm as high as I am I can jump off here. I mean, I'm 44 years old. It ain't going to feel good when I land down there. But I could do it, you know. But But if I were to climb up on top of this building and have to jump off, how many of you know I want something catching me? right? I need something more support in my life. The higher you go, the deeper you go into this problem that you're facing right now, you may need more support. You see, h- harder, harder terrain requires more support. And I think about these trekking poles and I thought, how can I illustrate that to a problem? And I thought about this. You know, those, those trekking poles, they, they extend out. There's two parts on each side. And I think in our spiritual life, there's two parts to the things that support us. On one side, you have God's word, right, and prayer. And you need that on one side of your life to support you. God's word, Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. That's what God's Word is. It helps you. It's, it helps you be stable. But then also there's prayer on that side. Psalms 102.17 says, He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. If you want to make it to the top of this thing that you're walking through, you've got to have the Word of God and you've got to have prayer on one side. But the other side that sometimes we forget as believers that I think wrecks a lot of people's spiritual lives is the right people. See, I need the right people in my life. I need the right people that when they see me about to veer off of the Bronco wall, I got Billy by, Pastor Billy behind me, and he can he can catch me and and before I fall, you know, to my death. There, there are decisions that you can make in your spiritual life that can wreck you. Do you understand? And you need the right people in your life to catch you and pull you to the side and say, listen, you're walking toward the edge. You need that in your life. But it's not just the right people. It's the right places. How many of you understand it? there are just some places that a believer ought not to be? Oh, that sounds legalistic to me, brother. Listen, there is nothing legalistic about a believer saying I'm not going to go here because I know that if I go to that place eventually, I'm going to make a wrong decision. Are you with me? You've got to have the word of God and prayer on one side and you've got to have the right people in the right places on the other because the higher you go, the more support you need. So the question is how high do you want to go? You see, you can be satisfied with where you are right now in your life and your business and your family and all of that, and just keep doing it the way that you've always done it and it won't matter. But you'll never get any higher in your spiritual life. You'll never go to the next level where God wants you. Are you with me? Was that too much? I'm sorry. Sort of. <laughs> see, we've got we to gotta have the right support in our lives, we've got to have our mind. Right, you understand. You see, I was determined to reach the top. And once there, I realized I was tired. I could see things like never before. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't make it to the very top. There are two tops to Kilimanjaro. The first point is the top, but then there's the peak. And I didn't make it all the way to the peak. As a matter of fact, I had gotten sick about halfway up. On, on the last night on summit night to the point that I started to see red dots in my eyes. And that's kind of a spooky thing on the side of a mountain when they can't get you off of it. And so I made the decision. They wanted me to come off the mountain, and I said, I'm not coming off the mountain. And August says to me, if I can get you to the first point on the top, will you, will you quit then? And I said, if you can get me to the top, I'll, I'll, we can talk about it. And so we we got there. It was an hour and a half past me getting uh, altitude sickness. And once we were up there, I was discouraged that I couldn't make it all to the very top. But, you know, it was okay. Because from where I stood, I could see things like never before. I saw a picture of Africa like I'd never seen before. In fact... I could not only see where I had been, but I could see for miles into the distance where I might want to go one day. You see, it's the mountains in our lives that we learn the most about ourselves and the most about God and where the vis- He sees the vision for our lives needing to go. Don't think about the mountain. Get your mind right. Follow the guide. Lean on the support in your life and be determined that with God, all things, are possible. The last thing I want to tell you is this. One of the greatest ways for you to conquer your mountain is to help somebody else conquer theirs. You learn a lot walking with someone up the side of their mountain. You know, I've learned that firsthand as I'm going to show you a couple of photos of, of some friends of ours. Being a missionary for as many years as I have, we've met some people and, and helped them up their mountains. You know, Africa, I told you last night, is a continent where 300 million people are without clean water. The average person has to walk seven miles a day in order to have access to any water whatsoever. 115 people die every single day because of no access to clean water that's almost two every single minute in africa and by helping other people get to the top of their mountain it just i can't even explain the theology of it it does something for you people like let me show you these these photos real quick of just some of the work that we've done in the last few days i'm sorry in the last few months in a few years or so we see these people on both sides they're they 're in a refugee camp. That crowd was thirty five or forty thousand people they're refugees that we have the opportunity to go in and minister the gospel to them and, and give them relief goods and It all happened because we were just not afraid to ask the u n to go in to help them like what listen, what does a small town kid who graduated with thirty six people, a town of nine hundred have any business standing in front of 40,000 refugees that are living in tents. What could he possibly tell them? Do you know what you tell them? You tell them God has not forgotten you. You see, sometimes you just have to help other people get to the top of their mountain. Let me show you another Photo, and I'm going to go through these very quickly. This is a piece of equipment that we just started using on the field. It projects the Jesus film, which is Jesus' life basically in a 30 minute version animated. It's a a movie, and it's in their local language. And so for uh, $3,000, we we pack these. And I'm taking the first one on this trip that my son and I are going on in just uh, a week. And we deliver that to local evangelists after we've trained them. And they can take this. It's solar-powered up into the mountains in Rwanda and East Africa. And get, people get saved by the thousands. Why do we do that? Because sometimes you just got to help people get to the top of their mountain. Let me show you another one. I'm going I'm to burn through these quick. You see that really handsome guy on the right there? That's your pastor. As he helped deliver food to this village, why in the world would we do that? I think you know by now because sometimes you just got to help other people get to the top of their mountain. Let me show you another one. This is Judith, and that was her face after we gave her goats that day because she's a survivor from the genocide that happened in Rwanda. She lives by herself, and her house leaks, and she has trouble sometimes having enough to eat, and so we gave her a goat. Let me show you That was her house. That's Judith. That was when we first met her. Matter of fact, that is the day that I met her. She allowed me to take her photo. Listen, nobody should have to live in those conditions. So I told a few friends, and they cared about getting people to the top of their mountain, and they came, and they began to repair the houses in the village. And then let me show you the next one. This is Judith's house today. Why? Why? Because... Sometimes you get to the top of your mountain by helping other people get to the top of their mountain. Let me show you a couple more just very quickly here. This was the mattresses that we delivered to that same village when we figured out that they were sleeping on the ground. They were laying their newborn babies on the ground at night and covering them, them up with these little thin sheets and things. And we said, no, no, that's not how Jesus works. How Jesus works is he provides the love of, of God through people. And so we went and bought mattresses for everybody this is my wife conducting one of the hygiene seminars that we do this is her washing one of the local ladies feet showing them the importance of cleanliness and how it spreads disease by 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 not being clean why because you got to help people get to the top of their mountain you're starting to see see the theme here right let me show you another one these are kids in the village where we worked primarily after we delivered old navy flip-flops thank god For $1.99 Old Navy flip flops. Come on, Jesus, right? God using Old Navy and they don't even know it. You see these boys getting this this water out of this, this clean water well that we installed. We have planned this year to do four more. We've got one going in right now that actually might be finished today. Going in right now, and we've got three more that are going in. Think about this: for five thousand dollars, and your church is going to do one. You, play, you played last night and raised a bunch of money. Your church is going to be responsible for giving clean water to an entire village this year. Think about that. I mean, come on, let's give Jesus a round of applause. It's going to be incredible. I think I've got one more. Is that right? How many I mean, I've got more? Pastors' conferences, which Bryce and I, two more after this. Uh, we'll be do, training about that many times three in the next week and a half or so. Church that we built last year and the team from Tennessee that came to help us build it. Church, listen. One of the easiest ways to get to the top of the mountain sometimes is just help somebody else get to the top of theirs. You guys are in a series, and I don't, I don't know if it was a series, but I know you're in a season of of understanding the vision of your church and being able to give toward that. And I'm going to tell you, you're looking at a guy that gets to look into the faces of the people that your vision will impact. When pastor stands up here and he asks you to give for missions or he asks you to to give for this or give for that, it's because I know your pastor. I've known him for years. He's one of my best friends. He's got a heart for the lost. Everyone he partners with is people that are concerned about souls. And so today, I don't want to get down off this stage without giving you an opportunity to make your soul right. So I want to ask you with every head bowed and every eye closed, before we turn it back over to Pastor, I, I want to ask you, with nobody looking around, this is between you and God, If you're here this morning and you would say, Jared, I I have not really been living my life in a way that's pleasing to God. I haven't had the guides in my life that I need. I, I for sure don't have my mind right. As a matter of fact, I've been real close to giving up on God. Because I thought he forgot me in the middle of all this. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you forward and I'm not going to embarrass you and I'm not going to single you out or any of that. That's not my style. But just between you and God right there, if that's you and you just say, man, I I need a rekindled faith for my Savior. If that's you, all across this room on the count of three, I just want you to put your hand up and write back down. And it's not because I'm counting. It's just because it's just a movement of faith between you and God. So if that's you. Don't look around. Just respond with how God is is dealing with your heart right now. On the count of three, are you ready? One, two, three. Come on, right now. Hands up. Thank you. People are being brave. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. We're going to all pray together. But I also want to ask those that you'd say, I've never given my life to Jesus, and today I'm ready. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that you wouldn't have to live eternity in hell, that you could live eternity in heaven with Him. And if you believe that Jesus died on the cross and that He was raised from the dead, the Bible says that you can be saved. So if you believe that Jesus died for you and you believe He was raised from the dead and you're willing to to repent of your sin and, and begin to follow God, if that's you, again, no embarrassment, nobody looking around, But on the count of three, are you ready? One, two, three. Come on, hands up. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Come on, you were supposed to raise your hand and you didn't. Now's your time. Right now, come on. One, two, three. Come on. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I want us to pray this just as a church family. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead. My way is not working. I put all my faith in you today. I repent of my sin. And with your help, I'm going to live for you every day of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And teach me your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 945 for Sunday school and at 1030 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 17. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Crescent Street, Burke-Runette, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life Till i found found myself Face down on your shore You say come to the wind.